And uh, today, we are talking about how to be on fire with God, three ways to be on fire with God. These are, these are three different ways that I think if we will give attention to, uh, they will help us to be on fire with God, to go forward in the Lord. Uh, three specific things, and let me put it this way as well, and please put this in the comments, three responsibilities of every believer. Three responsibilities of every believer and uh, we're going to look at those, uh, how to be on fire with God. And uh, the first thing I want to do is I want us to turn uh, to, let's turn to Romans chapter 1. This is not a scripture I had in my notes, but let's look at this. Let's look at Romans chapter 1. I'm, I'm actually going to give you a couple of scriptures here and probably have you hold your place there. Hold your place at Romans chapter 1 and go to 1 Thessalonians 5. If you have your Bible, if not, just keep listening. And uh, we praise God for you. Let us know who's watching. And listen, one of the things that we're doing, we're making a switch. We're making a switch uh, from being on every platform to focusing on one so that all of our, all of our viewers can be on one platform. Help us make that switch. Uh, by simply sharing that link with everybody, and of course joining us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. That really helps. Uh, it helps everything uh, to everybody to see that, know when we're going live. And of course, every now and then we have things that aren't scheduled that come up, and it'll pop up on your phone, and that'll be awesome. So one of the things that I want you to see is First Thessalonians chapter five and verse eighteen. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Put that in the comments, please. We're talking about three responsibilities of every believer, but if we will act on these responsibilities, they will cause us to be all in with God. They'll cause us to be on fire with God. And I think these are three things that we probably have not given enough attention to. We needed to give more attention to these things. And the very first thing is thankfulness. Look at here, look at this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you notice that it tells us to give thanks no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what the situation is, it says give thanks. It doesn't matter who, who we are, where we are, what our situation is, God tells us to give thanks. Well, several things happen in that moment. One of the things is this, is that we realize that we have something to be thankful for no matter, no matter what. We have something to be thankful for no matter what we see, no matter what we feel. For example, when the disciples were on the boat in the you know, demonic storm, they're fearing for their lives, Jesus calms the storm. Did the disciples know that they were going to be saved? No, that's why they were in fear. They were in fear because they didn't know. But had they looked at, we are with the Messiah. He only moves at the word of God. He only moves at what he's seen. They would have known, we have a reason to give thanks here. Even though it looks like we're about to die, we are with Jesus. And so a lot of times, 
our situations are held back because we don't know that we should be thankful. And even if we have heard this verse and we know that we should be thankful, we don't apply it in that way. God's not going to tell us to give thanks for something that's not worthy of thankfulness. But when he says, in everything give thanks, what he's literally saying is every, every situation, every moment of your life that you will ever find yourself in, there's something to give thanks for. So the disciples basically could have said, you know what, we thank you, Lord, that we are with our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, Lord. We're going to go through this storm. And so as they got revelation of that, you see now these words given to the writers of the Bible through the Holy Spirit. We have something to be thankful for. Paul says it here in Thessalonians, in everything, everything. God has never left us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's always working on our behalf. He's not withholding any good thing to those who walk uprightly. In everything, we have the ability to give thanks, and we should. So the first thing to get on fire with God is find a place of thankfulness in everything. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, comes from the Father, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning in James 1.17. We have so much to be thankful for. You know, today I'm sitting here. I'm sitting in a studio. You're watching me, many of you, on your phone. You're carrying your phone down the road watching, watching a live broadcast about the Word of God that's going to take your life to another level, and you're doing it because God has blessed men and women with technology and ideas and inventions. And here today, you don't have to go and sit here at my feet 100%, 24-7 all, all the time. No, you can watch it going down the road. You don't have to come to the church. No, you can watch it even while you're working, while you have the ability, you know, driving down the road, while you have the ability, while you're typing and working on something, you can listen to the audio even in your ear. You can listen to all of these things. This is amazing. Isn't that worthy of giving thanks for? I have the ability to go up in my relationship with God sitting in Florida, sitting in Kentucky, sitting in North Carolina. I have the ability to go up in my relationship with God. God, no matter where I am, because of some of the things that God's given us. We need to find our place of thankfulness. Please put that in the comments. We need to find our place of thankfulness all the time. So now we're looking, I want you to see this. What can I be thankful for? You know, and these are just things right in front of my face. I have a nice seat here. It's decently comfortable. It swivels which I like. I, I like chairs that swivel. It's, it's got a foot rest on it, which makes it easier. You know, we, I've got this word printed in a Bible. I have a pen that I can make notes. I have, I have highlighters that I can highlight things. I have this iPad here where I can do so much work from, share the good news of Christ. I can help uh, lead other people and teach other people. I can grow myself all by looking at the Word and even going on this. In just a moment, I can look at the Hebrew. I can look at the Greek. All of that reference material used to, uh, one time when I was learning to study the Bible, it would take me when I was preparing a sermon at that time, I would say it was an average of five to six hours a week of study time. 
as soon as I got a computer and got Bible software, my time, I didn't spend less time in study, but I spent less time in flipping pages because I did have all these books. Now I could just go to those references with a click. It cut with a click of my finger. It cut my study time in half. That meant I had more time to give to the Lord, to give to my family, all of that, simply because of technology. Man, I'm thankful for that. I can do more things. I can be more productive, more efficient today because of these things. And God is the giver of information. God is the giver of revelation. God, every, you think about every, look around your world Every invention that is that you see, that wisdom came from God. God gave it to some man or woman somewhere. That came from the Lord, and that's something that's worth. Thank you, Lord, for that. We're sitting in a building. We have AC. We have air conditioning. We have we have heat if we need heat. We have uh, cold if we need cold. Right. This praise the Lord, praise God. Yeah, I don't like the heat. I'm not a fan of a major heat. I like the AC. Praise the Lord. I thank God for that stuff. I have I have the ability. I can have my coffee right here. I can make as good a coffee at how at my home because of a machine that some man made because God gave him the wisdom as I can at somebody that really knows what they're doing at the coffee shop. Matter of fact, I trust it more than I trust the person at the coffee shop because it does it the same way. Every time. All of these, these are small things right in front of us, but every good and perfect gift comes from above. What thing is in your right now? What thing is within your grasp that you have to be thankful for? What things can you thank God for right now? You know, you may be sitting at your at your house. You have you probably have furniture. If you don't, God will give you that furniture. You you have nobody on here is starving. I've not met one starving person in the church yet. I've not met one person. All of them, they're not starving. They have plenty of food. They have covering. Kevin says, right now I'm thankful for GPS. Doesn't that make driving easier? I remember when we I had to buy and hold multiple maps in the car, and I'd have to pull over, look at the maps, figure out where I'm going, and then make sure I didn't miss my turn. I didn't have anything going, hey, your turn's coming up. Hey, your turn's coming up. Your, your turn's... So a lot of times there are things that we're overlooking that we, we should say, Lord, thank you for this. Now, with that in mind, I want us to look at the most thankful thing that we ever have to, to be thankful for. We, without Christ, were destined. We were destined. We were destined because of sin to an eternity of hell and torture, a place of complete a lack of relief in any way. We were, we, were, we were looking at this, and God saved us from that. One of the things that will get us on fire is to get thankful for this, that'll keep our thoughts straight. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Father, that you didn't leave me alone. We were talking about this last night, and uh, we, were, we were talking about this, and I said, uh, I, we were talking about what it took for Jesus to come off of that throne. What did it take for the Lord to come off of the throne? And, and one of the things we said, this was at the door, we were leaving Impact University last night, and uh, we were having a conversation, and one of the things that we talked about was this. 
If you had the richest man in the world, let's say he was the richest man in the world, the most wealthy, the most powerful man, and you asked him, you said, look, here's what I want you to do. Give up all of your wealth. Give it all away. I want you to come. I want you to be born in a stable, and I want you to serve all of the world And then at the end of it, after 33 years, you're going to die a gruesome death for all the people. What's that man going to do? He he owns everything, more than a billionaire. He owns everything. He I mean, what doesn't he have at his his, uh, disposal? What does he have in his hands? And yet, where Jesus came from was so much higher, so many times higher. He was, not only did he have everything, he was the creator of everything. He was sitting on the throne. He was, he was God. He, he had all of that. And Philippians chapter 2 says, he dropped it all, laid it all down to become the position of a humble man. He, he humbled himself to the position of mankind, of men that were, that were lost. And he came down, he, did, he wasn't born in a golden castle. He wasn't born in a, in a castle made of diamonds. He wasn't born to that. No, he said, I'm going to go to the lowest of the low. And as the Father lifts me up, I will draw all men up with me as I go. I'm, going, I'm not going to go to the highest and only the high, the high people of the earth can receive this. No, I'm going to start at the bottom. And I'm going to go from the bottom up and anywhere one who wants to grab a hold of me and take me by the hand, I will take them with me. I'll take all of their problems into the grave, and then I will take them and seat them at heavenly places with me at the right hand of the Father. He made a way for all of us. How thankful. Think about the humility that Jesus had. Think about the humility that Jesus had to drop his godliness for a rebellious and sinful people that were enemies of God so that he could make us a part of the family. Do we have something to be thankful for? And in the process, we end up going and being with God in heaven instead of being in hell for an eternity. 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 Have you ever had, think about this, have you ever had a, um, you ever had a sickness or a pain, maybe a headache or a migraine, and that thing just would not relent for several days? What if it just wouldn't relent for one day? I knew how, how much, yeah, <laughs> I just saw Kevin, I just saw your comment. If you asked Jeff Bezos, Bezos to give up everything that he has, what would he do? He'd laugh at that. There's no way, but Jesus did it. Jesus did it. And uh, so one of the things that you see is, have you ever had, have you ever had a, a headache for a day? What happens at the end of that day after you've got no relief from it? None whatsoever, no relief. How, how pleasant are you? <laughs> how pleasant are you after one day? What if it happened two days in a row? How pleasant are you? What if it happened three days in a row? How pleasant are you? right? Think about this. Hell is going to be much, much worse than that. And it won't be for one day or two days or three days. It will be for eternity. It will be for eternity. 
It will be for eternity. It will never end. Jesus saved us from that. How thankful should we be? And if we're truly thankful, where will that take our lives? Let's look at these. Look at this thankfulness. One of the things that you see uh, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, for Romans 1, 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. In other words, they, they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened, part, partly because they didn't give thanks. There's something about thankfulness that keeps us on the right track. It keeps us going after God. And if we will take the responsibility up to be thankful, meditate on the things that we should be thankful for, we won't go off track, but we'll stay on track with the Lord. I want you to look at a couple other uh, things. Psalms 118, 15. Psalms 118 and verse 15. We'll read several verses here. I'll go ahead and tell them to you. Psalms 118, 15 through 17, and then 19 through 21. Psalms 118.15 says, The sound of joyful shouting and the salvation is in the tents of the righteous. So one of the things that you see is we've been saved. What's the byproduct of being saved? The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Verse 17, watch this response. I will not die but I'll live to, and tell the works of the Lord. So he says, look, I've received salvation. Here's the byproduct of that salvation. I won't die, but I will live to tell the works of the Lord. I will live to tell the works of the Lord. Think about that. I will take it on as a purpose in my life. I will live to tell the works of the Lord. You see, thankfulness comes to a place where we say, I'm thankful for what he did for me, and I have a proper response of that thanksgiving. You know how faith without works is dead? Thankfulness, if we don't move into thankfulness, have we really received what we think we've received? Have we really moved to that place? If we don't have works following that thankfulness, is it really thankfulness? In other words, if we're sitting there saying, oh, yes, Lord, thank you for saving me, but then we never tell anybody else about that, did we really receive it on that level? There's something in thankfulness that proves that. And a, and a point of how to be on fire for God and three responsibilities every believer should have. The first one is thankfulness. Look at verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them and I shall give thanks to the Lord. Look at that. He says, as soon as I walk in, here's what's going to come out of me. Thanks to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you. You remember in the New Testament where Jesus was telling the story about the two guys, and one of them was saying, Lord, I do this, I do this, I do that, and the other one was beating himself on the chest and saying, Lord, thank you for saving me, a sinner. Thank you, Lord. See, there's a right thing and a wrong thing. We can go through the motions and we can get in legalism and law, or we can take a true thankfulness in our heart. Lord, you didn't have to save me. 
I could have been in an eternity in hell, but Lord, I thank you. Open to me, verse 19, open to me the gates of righteousness and I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I shall give thanks to you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. Thankfulness is a proper product of our salvation. Thankfulness is a proper product of our salvation. Thankfulness will drive you into the fire of God. See, with proper thankfulness, and this is what I want you to see on all of these today, with proper thankfulness, I can't sit still or sit back. I can't bury my talents. With prop, these three items, if we'll do them correctly, I can't sit stagnant. I can't sit in average. I have to move forward. I have to go into God. I have to take what's given to me and utilize it. With proper thankfulness, I move forward. With proper thankfulness, I move towards the fire of God. With proper thankfulness, I find my responsibility in God. I can't sit at average. So you can see that God doesn't want us to be mediocre. He doesn't want us to be average. But some of that moving beyond that is receiving the empowering uh, salvation of God, the empowering grace of God to move past that average, and we have to take the responsibility of it on ourselves. In other words, okay, the Lord's done. He finished the work. But in order to move into the gates of full righteousness, in order to move into that place, I've got to enter thankfulness. I've got to learn to get thankful. I've got to learn to get thankful. I've got to learn to get thankful. There's a scripture, I'm thinking it might be in Timothy, maybe somebody can find it, but it talks about when you give thanks for your food, that's what makes it holy, that you recognize that you are not the one who produced this. You know, I don't care if you went out and you, you hunted and, and you, you know, got a deer and then you prepared it and had food on your plate or you went to the store and you had money and you worked for that money and you bought that food. You recognize that God is the one who actually gave you all of the skill. You recognize that God is the one who gave you the ability. You recognize that God is the one who taught us things, who shared his wisdom. Everything is from the Lord. Lord, I Thank you for it. And when we thank him, all of a sudden, when we thank him, that moved it to holiness. When we say, Lord, thank you for this meal. You're the one who gave me everything that I have, every good and perfect thing. You're, it came from you. If I have money in my pocket, that came from you. If I have skill to work, it came from you. If I have breath in my lungs, it came from you. If I have an atmosphere on this earth that I can live and move in, that came from you. Lord, what's sitting in front of me, this food, thank you for it. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And in that moment, we see that that thankfulness actually calls that food to become holy for us. 
to, to, for it to become what it was supposed to be. That, that food is made holy by our thankfulness. See, there's something about thankfulness that drives us to a higher level. When we truly become thankful in our heart, it will raise us into the fire of God so we can stay at that place. We have to, we have to make sure that we are thankful. One of the things that I've found is when I start really going after the Lord and I've been on fire with him, one of the natural things that comes out of me is thankfulness. I can't stop thanking them. I just can't stop thanking them. I can't stop thanking them. <laughs> Good. Abigail said, I just thank God for my lunch. Good job. And uh, But when you get to those places where you're walking with him, thanks is something that's a natural, proper product of what he's done. It's a natural, proper product of that thankfulness is that natural, proper product of the good things that you've received. If we are not thankful, we're missing something. And so the reason I bring this up, and I want us to see these three reasons. We're getting ready to put them on the screen in a second. The reason I bring these things up is because some people are looking for like a magic ticket, but they won't take responsibility for their part. And if we will say, Lord, let me meditate on, on thankfulness. Let me meditate on why I need to be thankful. Let me look around and see some things that I can be thankful for. Let me look around and see some things. You know, I'm sitting in the studio to get the word of God out to people. We didn't always have this studio. We didn't always have this equipment. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I just, oh, man, thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Lord, right now, just feel every viewer, every listener. Feel their home. Feel their car with your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you. Just thank him with me right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Father, we just praise you. All the things that we have, none of those were promised to us outside of you. None of them. But, Lord, you made us a promise. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you and we thank you. Lord, help us move to the new levels of your fire, to stay on fire and be all in with you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's verse 17 maybe, he says that when you pray in the Spirit, he's talking about, uh, praying in the Spirit that you edify yourself. But one of the things he says about that, even though it might not always be for public consumption, one of the things he does say is when you pray in the Spirit, you give thanks well. You give thanks well. And uh, so when we learn uh, to pray in the Spirit and we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, one of the things that comes out of us supernaturally, one of the first and major things that comes out of us by the Holy Spirit, by God, is thankfulness. Thankfulness is our responsibility, and thankfulness will take us to new levels with God. 
Let's meditate on what we should be thankful for. Let's think on those things. Let's meditate on those things. In other words, let us take the responsibility to raise our thankfulness to another level. And as we do that, it will step us into the fire of God. You're going to notice with all three of these things, it's our responsibility. And so I want you to see these. So here's the three things. The first one, obviously, is thankfulness. Three ways to be on fire. Thankfulness, hunger, and responsibility. Please put that in the comments. Three ways to be on fire with God and stay on fire. Thankfulness, hunger, and responsibility. Thankfulness, hunger, and responsibility. I want to look at hunger, hunger right now. See, we have a responsibility to be hungry for the things of God. Hungry for God. Hungry for God in his things. Let's turn to, of course, one of the main places, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. We have a responsibility to be thankful. We have a responsibility to be hungry. And notice that these are things that God doesn't do for us. These are things we have to do. This is God, you can't just say, God, make me thankful. God, make me hungry. God, make me responsible. You can't do that. You can say, God, help me to be thankful. Show me things to be thankful for. But at some point, I've got to take my responsibility in those three areas, and I have to apply it myself. I can't say, God, make me hungry. I control that hunger. He's given us the ability to control that hunger. That's why he's listed as a condition. If you will be hungry, let's read this. Verse 6, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This word means blessed are those who crave who crave the things of God. Righteousness is God and his things. Blessed are those who crave the things of God, for they shall be satisfied. The word here, satisfied, means filled. It means overflowing. It's not just enough. It's an overflowing, overflowing. He says, if you'll get hungry, I'll overflow your life. This is one of those things. If you get hungry for the things of God, if you get hungry for the things of God, what will stop you? Is God withholding? Is God withholding any good thing? No. What will stop you from operating in the fire of God? Nothing. You get hungry, you'll get into the fire of God. You get thankful, you'll get into the fire of God. A lot of times we want these things to be magic where somebody just lays their hands on us and all of a sudden the rest of our life we're just walking lit up in the fire of God. But we've got to take some responsibility for these things to be thankful, to be hungry, to be responsible. And I want you to see, I want you to see this. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. You can see that it is godliness. It is godliness to be hungry. It is godliness to be thankful. It is God, but we have to make that choice to, to step it up, to bring it to another level. Do you think, let me ask this question, and you, can, you don't have to put this in the comments, but let me ask you this question. Do you think that you could stand in front of God right now and say, 
you have, and God would say to you, yep, child, you have been as thankful as you ever need to be. You don't need to go forward in your thankfulness anymore. Do you think you could stand in front of Jesus who sees everything, who knows the fullness of his levels that he's made available to us, and do you think you could stand in front of him right now and say, and he would say to you, you are hungry enough, stop being hungry. You've, you've reached it, you've arrived, you've attained it, you don't have to hunger for me anymore. Do you think you could do that? Do you think you could stand in front of God and have that? I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's possible for anybody I know on the earth. I think every one of us have, have more, because not because you don't have people that aren't going after God. What you have is you have people that have not fully seen the depths of God. They haven't fully seen the depths of God. Let's, let me show you that in Romans chapter 11. I believe it's 33. There's a very interesting point that, that Paul brings back brings out. Yeah, Romans 11.33. Now, first of all, before we read this verse, somebody put that verse in the comments, but before we read this verse, one of the things that I want you to see is this. Who was the Apostle Paul? And first of all, Romans is, the book of Romans itself is known as a book of doctrine. Like, it, it is a doctrinal book. This is, this is what our Christian faith is based on, is what Paul wrote in this moment. So if Paul wrote this by the Holy Spirit, I know that the Holy Spirit authored it, but I would say that Paul had to have at least some little bit of understanding about this. He had to receive some revelation about this. And so one of the things that you see here is, here's Paul who wrote, over half the New Testament by the Holy Spirit. The man knew some things. He was a scholar before he even met Jesus. He was, he was you know, most people believe that he was in line to be the next high priest. So he, he, he knows some stuff. He, he's not a dull man by any stretch. And then Paul, in all of his wisdom and all of his revelation, he's discussing the things of God. And then in, in a moment, he has this that just jumps out of his spirit, Romans eleven thirty three. 33. It's one of my favorite, favorite verses to look at because everything Paul knew, and yet the Holy Spirit draws this out, out of him. Paul says, as I meditate on this, the context, as I'm thinking on these things and what God has done and how big he is, Paul says this, oh, oh, the depth and the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unfathomable are his ways. Paul's saying, oh my goodness, God, you're so big. That's how we'd say it today. God, you're so big. Oh my goodness, God, you are so big. And so the issue is not if we've had people that have been hungry or or been thankful, the issue is God's so big that even if we gave everything at him, the largeness of who God is goes even beyond that. God is so big that it's, it's hard to reach the end of somebody who's infinite. <laughs> Not hard, it's impossible. You're, it, it's, it's impossible for us in this finite brain to reach the end 
and, and of who he is. And so one of the things that I think we've done as a people is, and I've done this, definitely I've done this. One of the things that we've done as a people is we hit a level in God and things are working and all of a sudden what got us to that level we draw back from. Most time to get to another level in God, what does it take? Hunger. We start hungering for that. And as we hunger for the things of God, we're filled and move up to that level. And then we get to that level and we feel like we've arrived and we, it's like we take a break and we, and we back off the, the very things that got us there. We don't want to do that. What if we just stayed hungry all the time? What if we just went after, after God with everything? What if we took the responsibility of hunger? Isn't it, can't you see by the word, we have a responsibility to be thankful. We have a responsibility to walk out godliness in the form of hunger. Can't you see that we have a responsibility for that? I see that so clearly. Can you see that with me? I see it so clearly that we have that responsibility. I, I don't want to sit there and, and hit a level and then and like draw back from it. Many times I'll, in the church and, and people around can, can see this as well. Many times you'll see that people, when they come to church, they're in need of something. They need bills paid. They need, they need you know, healing in their body. They need... Uh, they just feel beat up. They, they know the devil has won, you know, a round in their life, a chapter in their life, and they're like, I don't want to do that again. I want to give myself to the Lord. And so they come in, they're looking for something. And I'll tell you, it's the most amazing thing. This really actually surprised me when I first started pastoring because I'm thinking, you know, it's going to take you years to get up to a certain level to understand these things. And, you know, some of the things that Nicole and I received in faith and and things like that, it took us years to get to. And they were working because we gave years to a process, gave years to it. And so somebody would come into church, and I'd recognize, I'd be like, they're, you know, they're years behind us. It's going to take them years to get to the place where it started working for them. And, but to my amazement, God, you know, I'll go back to what Paul said, oh, the depths <laughs> and the riches of God's wisdom and his and his mercy, his mercy has amazed me. God's mercy is amazing. Put that in the comments. God's mercy is amazing. Praise the Lord. God's mercy is amazing. And I would watch, and I saw this time after time after time after time after time. God's mercy would come through on somebody. And all of a sudden, what I thought would take them years Within a few weeks to a few months, they would come pop right out of that situation. They would pop right out of that darkness. They'd, they'd pop right out of that place. And, I, and I'd sit there and go, oh, my goodness, how is this possible? Like, I know what kind of faith it takes me to operate at this level. They're not at that level of faith. God, God, you're merciful. You're amazing, Lord. You, you know, and, and I'd watch it. And then once that, that, solution would come and they would be satisfied and kind of arrive at their solution, they would stop showing up at church. And it was the most painful thing to watch. But I would watch as 
their life would you know go up and it'd just have this amazing solution and then then they'd get satisfied then they'd lose hunger and their life would go straight back down and then i've seen some people get hungry again and 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 i've watched myself do this multiple times but watching it in the church has really been amazing is they they get hungry and what i recognized was this is if they would just stay hungry their trajectory would, would just constantly be up. It would constantly be up. If you just do the things you did at the beginning, you never have to go down. You could just stay up and stay up, and your direction would stay up and up and up. What if we just stayed hungry like that all the time for the things of God? And, and, and yes, we don't have to stop and give thanks to God. We can give thanks to God as we go through that level to the next level. Just keep thanking God. Keep praising Him for that. Don't feel like we've arrived and stop our process. Just stay in thankfulness. Stay in hunger. And, and I watched as people waxed and waned with that, and they went up and they went down with it. And, and I watched as people were hungry, they'd get blessed, they'd get filled. They'd, they'd lose hunger and, and they'd not be filled, you know. And um, I just realized that when we do things God's way, when we humble ourselves to his way, grace is there. God's grace and his mercy is there. All we have to do is just do it his way. Just do things his way. That's it. That's all we have to do. Do things his way. And what are, what are two ways, three ways that we're looking at today to stay in the fire of God? Go after the fire of God. Be thankful be hungry. We'll talk about the third thing in a second about being responsible. But let's look at these verses. Let, let's look at these verses on hunger. We already talked about Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled, shall be satisfied. satisfied. Luke 1, 53. Luke 1, 53. He has filled the hungry with good things. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. So now why would God tell us this verse? Because it's not godly to be hungry or it is godly to be hungry. He would tell us these things because it's godly to be hungry. We have a responsibility for hunger. Put that in the comments. We have a responsibility to be thankful and we have a responsibility to be hungry. We have a responsibility to. It's not something we should let fall to the ground. We should take time to see how important that is. We should take time to meditate on it. I, you know, I've gone through that multiple times through the year, years. Look around. What do you have to be thankful for? What do we have to be thankful for? Should we be thankful? Yes. Should we be hungry? Yes. We need to take time to meditate on that. Not just a minute. Let it change our lives. See, when we meditate on the Word of God, it should make a change. It's a good, put that in the comments. When we meditate on the things of God, it should make a change in our lives. When we meditate on the things of God, we're not just agreeing with them. They should cause a change in our lives. When we meditate on our responsibility for thankfulness, it should cause us to change to higher levels of thankfulness. If we meditate on hunger in our lives, it should cause us to change, to hunger for more of the things of God. 
Uh, the last verse on hunger is Psalms 107, 8 and 9. Psalm 107, 8 and 9 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. Gosh, sounds like I've heard that before. And for his wonders to the sons of men. You see this, this, this is like a command. Let them give thanks for his loving kindness. He's telling us what to do. He's showing us the path. Give thankfulness and his wonders for the sons of men. Then he, he shows, and watch this, he links thankfulness and hunger together. He, he, he says, verse 9, For he has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. He said, if they'll get thankful and they'll get hungry, they will be filled. What is he saying? They're going to go to a different level. They're going to stay at a higher level than other people because they're thankful and they're hungry. 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 These are not things that God does for us. He can help us, but it's our responsibility to put them on. So I want you to see this. We should, I want you to look at these three things again, three ways to stay on fire for God. And I want you to see this. First thing is be thankful. Shouldn't we live our lives godly if, if because of thankfulness alone? Like take away hunger and take away our responsibilities. Just off of thankfulness, God saved my life. He saved me from an eternity of torture. In other words, he gave his life that he had in place of mine. Just because I'm thankful, shouldn't I serve him with everything that I have? See, this level of thinking will take you into the fire of God. This level of thinking will keep you there. Lord, I am thankful for what you did. I am thankful for what you've done and are doing and what you saved me from. And because I'm thankful, I'm going to go after you with everything I have. Just thankfulness alone is a reason to serve God and be all in with him. Just thankfulness alone. Matter of fact, each one of these are three reasons why we should be all in with God. Either one of them would work, but with all three of them, there's no way we should miss it. Look at hunger. Shouldn't hunger alone drive us into being all in with God? Shouldn't hunger alone not be satisfied until you are overflowing and consumed with the fire of God? John the Baptist said to, you know, about Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, right? Shouldn't, shouldn't hunger alone, like, Lord, I won't stop being hungry ever, and if I'm not going to stop being hungry, I'm going to go to the things of God. I'm going to go into the fire of God. I'm going to go into the, the new levels with God, and it'll never stop. I'll just keep leveling up. Thankfulness will do that. Hunger will do that. And the third thing is responsibility will do that. Let's look at this, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, in the King James it says, I beg you, Brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, God is merciful. He's made a way. He's prepared a path for us to do what he's about to ask us. God's mercy has made a way. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
And in, in the King James, it says this, you're presenting our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice is our reasonable service. For what? He says, I gave you my life. Now you should see it. See, God, here's the thing. God doesn't make us do anything. He doesn't make us do anything. But that doesn't mean that there's not a reasonable and responsible service that we should give anyway. He doesn't make us do those things. What thing is God, if God made you do stuff, he'd make, he'd make many people give tithes, right? If he could make you do stuff, he'd make them give offerings. If he could make you do stuff, he'd make you live without sin. He doesn't do that. He allows you that choice. He gives you that choice. But why? Because if he made you do that, there'd be no love involved on your part. And God's whole kingdom is based on the love of God. It's the love of God that upholds everything. It's the love of God that empowers everything. It's the love of God that caused him to give Christ. It's the love of God that caused Christ to lay down his godliness and become like a man. It's love that empowers all of those things. And one of the things that you see here is that, that as he's moving in this, he's saying, look, I'm not going to force you to do this, but you should see it as your responsibility. You should see laying your life down, this is my responsibility to Almighty God. This is my responsibility to God who saved me, to God who loves me. This is my reasonable service. The New American Standard said, this is my spiritual service of worship. This is my spiritual service of worship. And, and we should say, Lord, I have a responsibility to follow your ways. I have a responsibility. So when we're looking at three ways to stay on fire with God, number one is, Lord, I'm going to follow your ways and I'm going to go after the fire of God and go to the next level. Number one, because I'm thankful for what you did for me. Like it's coming out of my thanksgiving, not my responsibility, not my hunger. Lord, I'm just thankful. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And the second thing is, put those three up, please. The second thing is, I'm going to go to that. I'm going to go to that level because I'm hungry for you, and not because I'm thankful, not because I, I have a responsibility. I'm just hungry for you, Lord. But then the third thing is, I'm going to go to a new level because I am responsible. This is my spiritual service of worship. This is my reasonable service, not because I'm thankful, not because I'm hungry, but because I'm responsible to do this. This is what I should be doing. So either one of those three things should drive us to be all in with God. Either one of them alone should drive us much more when we have all three, which we do. We should see thankfulness. And think about this. If, if, if I'm not motivated by responsibility, at least hunger or thankfulness should, should motivate me enough to keep going and do what's right. If, if I'm not motivated by hunger, at least thankfulness or responsibility should motivate me to go ahead and do that. If I'm not thankful that, not feeling thankful that day, at least hunger or responsibility should help motivate me and, and lift me up when I'm not feeling one or the other. The issue is many Christians have thrown away all three of these. They've thrown away all three of them. And they've not meditated on them. They've not, they've, not, they've not thought on them. They've not let it change them. And so we've, we've actually, we're, 
either one of these should drive us into the fire and the next level of God and to, and to not be average and not be mediocre and to, and to do what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, which we'll look at in just a second. To do that and be a witness before the world, we've not thought on these things, we've not meditated on, and it's time for that to change. Say, Lord, I'm going to take my responsibility to be thankful. I'm going to take my responsibility to be hungry. I'm going to take my responsibility to be responsible. Lord, I'm going to walk in all of these things, and I am going to the next level in God. I'm going there. I'm going to that place. I will not be held back. When we do these things, the rest of this verse comes into play. It says, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will prove what the will of God is. See, when we will give ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice to God, we'll start to prove what the will of God is to others. And what is that, will, that proof? That God's will is good, his will is acceptable, and his will is perfect. Many people have not seen the will of God in the world because they've not seen it in the lives of Christians because we haven't been thankful, we haven't been hungry, and we haven't taken our responsibility. I want you to look at this. Back up to verse 1, and I want you to see this. He says, look, presenting your body as, as a living sacrifice acceptable to God. In other words, living in such a way that God, God himself looks at it and goes, that's the way it should be. That's a proper sacrifice. How they're living, that's a, that's a proper sacrifice. That's a living sacrifice. Notice he doesn't say a dead sacrifice. This, he's not calling everybody to go and martyr themselves. He's calling you to live for Christ. To live for Christ is godliness. To die is gain, but to live is Christ when we live for him. We've got to live for him in the abundance of what God has for us because when you do that, it starts to prove to the world that God's will, God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. It proves to, to people. But we've got to do this. I want you to see this, though. God says it right here. It is good for you to take your godly responsibility. It's good. It's right to live in such a way that looks godly, that looks Christ-like. It's good. Let me put it this way. Put those three back up. It is our responsibility. It's our responsibility. We have a responsibility to live Christ-like. It's not just a, a good idea or something we should do when we feel like it. No, we have a responsibility to live like that all the time. Every believer has a responsibility to live like that. We have a responsibility for thankfulness. We have a responsibility for hunger. And we have a responsibility to live a responsible life, a, a spiritual service of worship, a reasonable service. Either one of these three should take us to another level. I want you to see this, this last thing, John 14, 15. John 14 and verse 15, Jesus talking. Here's what he says. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, all three of these things are a function of our love towards God. All three of them are a function of that love. And he says, if you love me, you'll take responsibility for it. 
You'll hear my commandments and you'll do it. I gave you a responsibility and a commandment to be thankful. I gave you a responsibility and a commandment, be hungry. I gave you a responsibility and a commandment to follow all of my commandments. See, if we will do these things, there's no choice. God says, look, when you get thankful and hungry and you get responsible, I can't hold back what you're doing. When we take our responsibility, we're stepping into righteousness, and he already has made a promise. He says, I am not withholding any good thing to those who walk righteously, to those who walk in their responsibility. I'm not withholding any good thing. That means I can't hold my fire back. I can't hold my glory back from somebody who decides to do these things. I can't do it. If you will walk uprightly, I can't hold back that good. That's a good thing. My fire, my glory, that's a good thing. I can't hold it back. Are you going to be a person who says, I'm going to walk in these three things and I'm going to stay in the fire of God. I'm going to take my responsibility to be thankful. I'm going to take my responsibility to be hungry. I'm going to take my responsibility to walk in righteousness. I have a responsibility to follow the commands of God. I have a responsibility to walk like Jesus. Each one of these reasons alone should take us to a new level in God and keep us there. But with all three of them, you can't miss it. You can't, if you're doing these things, you can't miss it. You're going up. I'm talking to people right now. Your life is going up. You're going to another level because you're going to take hold of these three things, thankfulness, hunger, and responsibility. You have a responsibility to live God-like. You, you have a hunger to live like him. You have a thankfulness that comes out in living like him. We have those things, and you're going up. As you grab a hold of this, I'm telling you, you're going up. As you grab a hold of these three things, I'm telling you, you're going up. You're going into the fire. You're going to stay in the fire. You're not going to be denied from the fire of God. You're going into that place. You're going into it now. The question is, and this is where it comes to you, will you live by these things? Will you live by them? That choice is yours. God leaves that up to us. I can tell you from experience, when I decided on each one of these things to move into these things, my life went up, my life. And I've had times where they weren't as strong as they needed to be, and I could feel the plateau, and I could feel maybe even going, going backwards a little bit. But then I'd, I'd wake up to myself and say, oh, no, I, let, me get, let me get thankful. Let me get hungry. Let me get responsible. And all of a sudden, it just it, very quickly, correct course, start going up. This is where we want to live. Will you do that with me? Will you go to those places with me? Can we go to those places together? Oh, we can. God's word tells us that we can. I want to see that in your life. I want to see the fire of God touch you so much that you cannot be denied. I want to see the fire of God so much in your life that people around are getting on fire because of you. You're carrying the fire of the Lord, that you're carrying his glory. That I, I just see people right now saying, Lord, I'm going up with you. I will not be denied. I will put my flesh down. I will tell my flesh to shut up. I will take responsibility and I will do what God has called me to do. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Father, right now, I just see people catching fire with God, catching fire with you, Lord, 
Jesus, I see you baptizing them in that fire, moving into new heights as they are thankful and hungry and responsible. Lord, I see them moving into that place. And this is what I see. I just keep seeing it over and over and over and over again is you catching fire and coming next to somebody coming next to a person who's not on fire, but your, your love and your fervency for the things of God, your fire for God, it catches on them. And as you're working by them, as they're in your family, I see that they are, they are catching fire because of you, because of you. Ultimately, it's God's fire on you, but because you made a choice to do these things, there was a transfer, just like if you took an old, uh, a wet, brand new log and you set it by a fire. Eventually, that wet log is going to dry out and it's going to dry to the place and catch on fire. You can even take, take somebody who is, who is completely covered in all, I mean, they are doused in the doubt of the world. They are doused in that. But if you will be on fire, the fire of God, not you by yourself, but the fire of God on you and through you will dry out that and catch them on fire too. I see it happening all over this area, all over this region. I see you being a witness. I see you being somebody that is a lamppost. I see you being somebody that is not allowing the world or a lack of thankfulness or a lack of hunger or a lack of responsibility to put a basket on top of that flame. But I see you as you take responsibility for those three things, that basket coming off and letting the world see that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. It's a choice you have to make. But see, in these things, I said this earlier, it's not just something where you agree with me today. It's something that you meditate on. You take time to meditate on what am I thankful for? Should I ever not be thankful? The answer is no. The word says, be thankful in everything at all times. Be thankful. So you meditate on that. You get into that. You think on that. What am I thankful for? I can legitimately be thankful for this, this table. I can be thankful for carpet. I can be thankful for a, a writing pen in my pocket. Why? Because I've spent time. I literally am thankful for that. Personally, I'm thankful for those things because I have spent time connecting the, the dots that I have those things because of God. And they help me. They make my life easier. They make it simpler. They make it more productive. These things help me, and I'm thankful for it. Even much more so, the heavenly things, the saving from an eternity apart from God. Oh, I'm thankful for it. That alone should drive me. I'm hungry for the things of God. I meditate on that. How hungry am I? How much hungrier can I get? How do I get to those places of hunger? We can talk about, I can give you a list on how to get hungry for the things of God. But it, the issue is, can, can you come up with those things because you meditate on them, they become a part of who you are. See, we can't just amen this and agree with it and then leave it. And we have to take time. These are three major areas that we need to take time with and think on and meditate on and let that meditation on the word and on who God is and what he's asking us to do. Let that take us to the place that we change. And when that change takes place, you move towards the fire of God. You become more lit. You become more all in. Here, here's the thing. 
Here's the thing on baptisms. This will be a nugget for some people. And the fire of God specifically. John John 3.16, in that passage, we see that Jesus is baptized in water. We see that John the Baptist says that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And we also see that, that he says Jesus will baptize you with fire. He makes that word specific. There's the Holy Ghost and fire. And you see in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit says, he doesn't say that they're baptized with fire. It says they have a touch of fire. They are, it looked like a flame of fire. Uh, it doesn't say they were baptized with fire. It says it looked like they have a flame of fire on their, on their heads. But you don't see a baptism of fire right there. Let me show you this. I've watched people be baptized in water, and I've watched them live that way for a little while and then go backwards. I've watched uh, people that were baptized in the Holy Ghost, which you absolutely positively need. You can't live a life of fire in God without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It, it just isn't possible. Why? Because it's God's way. You're, you'd be denying what he told you to do. Be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, but I've watched people that were baptized with the Holy Ghost, I've watched them go back to old ways. I've seen them, you know, it's not necessarily that they lost their salvation, but they definitely haven't, they, where, where the word says in Ephesians 5, be being filled, they were filled once, but not constantly filled. But I've never seen somebody that was truly touched with the fire of God that was not different for the rest of their days. And if you think about that, if, if baptism of water, you know, you can get baptized in water, you can come up dry. You can get baptized with oil, you'll be oily for a while. You may smell good if the oil smells good, uh, but the oil can run off, rub off. But when you're baptized with fire, fire changes the whole DNA structure. It changes the whole structure of an element. It is not the same ever again. We need the fire of God in our lives. I've never seen somebody who was truly baptized in fire that thought the same after that. They, they didn't think the same. They, they, their thoughts, they can't sit still. They can't sit still in the things of God. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing and your presence. You can have, you can go, I've watched people with fire, and I've been this way, where that fire has has drawn down and it's become like a coal, not a raging fire before. I've watched how it has drawn drawn down even almost being out at times. But it's like when it gets down to that to that place, man, how oh, the presence of God is so strong today. I've watched when the fire of God has drawn down to that place it's like something deep on the inside of that fire. It just won't let go. And it can't stand to not be raging. That's the thing. When people are baptized by the fire of God and they're marked, it can't stand to come down to average. It can't stand to go backwards. There's something that stands up on the inside of that person. There's something that stands up and it's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I've got to be on fire for God. I can't stay at the same place. 
I can't stay here. I've got, I've got to get back to the raging, consuming fire of God. I've got to become uh, um, someone who can pass the torch to others, that can help others be filled with the fire of God. I've watched people go backwards when they've been baptized in repentance in the name of Jesus just in, in water, and they become born again. I've watched them go backwards when they're, when they're uh, baptized in the Holy Ghost. I've watched them you know, just let go of those things. But when I've seen somebody filled with the fire of God, I, I, I imagine it can happen, but it is hard. It is very difficult for that person to go back. That, you know, people, I think people often look at a life and, and even the way that I think and what drives, what drives him, what keeps him going when everybody else falls away to the side, because that's happened many times. It's the fire of God. I was marked by that, and you can be marked by that too. We, we have the precedent in the Holy Spirit in, in Luke chapter 11. You know, ask Jesus, Jesus baptized me with the Holy Spirit. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's the baptizer. I don't baptize you in that. I can, I can act as a conduit, but Jesus is the one that baptizes you in the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the one, by Luke 3.16, who baptizes you in the fire of God. Ask him to baptize you. Lord, baptize me in your fire. Ooh. I started praying that years ago. <laughs> We're like three days into the media fast. Can you tell it's having an effect already? You, when you purify your inputs, it changes you. <laughs> I asked the Lord that years ago. I said, Lord, baptize me. I saw David Hogan on the videotapes. You can see him on YouTube now. Talk about being baptized in the fire of God. I said, Lord, I don't even know what he's talking about. But I see it in your word, and if it's of you, I want it. That was basically my prayer. Oh, my goodness, he touched me with his fire. He touched me with his fire, and I had an overflow. I had an overflow. I had an overflow of a responsibility for souls come on me. I had an overflow of his presence come on me. I literally shook for three days. Like I'm not, I'm, that's not an exaggeration. I shook for three days. You can ask my wife. Anytime I would start to pray in the Holy Ghost, I would start shaking physically again. Touched with this fire. I, here's the problem. I didn't even know what really happened to me. I didn't really understand it. And the, and the issue was there was nobody around me who understood it either. Nobody understood it. No, nobody understood those things. And I let it dwindle down. I didn't realize what I had. I didn't realize what was going on. But years later, whew, oh, man. Years later, hungering for God again. Like, see, that's the issue. Even though I didn't know what I had, it was something in me that wouldn't let go. I was marked. My, my DNA was changed from it. I, I just couldn't be the same anymore. It wouldn't let go. I had temptation to let go of the fire of God. I had temptation to let go of these things. But there was something about that fire that wouldn't let me go. There was something about it. And I, even though we were having great success in the church and, and, and testimonies and fruit and all of those things were going, I, I'd say it was still just something wasn't right. 
And I began to hunger for the things of God and hunger. And the Lord led me into an extended fast. And that led me into a media fast that, at that point. And then I did another extended fast. And in the middle of that second fast, the Lord said, what you're looking for is fresh fire. I said, oh. And I knew in that moment that he didn't say I needed a baptism of fire. He said I need, what he was saying was I needed a fresh baptism of that fire again. I, I had received that before, and all of a sudden I had understanding of what I had received some years ago. And I, and I started meditating on the fire of God and the study of God and the study of the baptism of fire. And I started meditating, I started seeing things that I had not seen before, and I found things because there weren't many people that understood it or knew about those things. But I realized that I was never the same after that moment. I couldn't go back, I was changed. We need the fire of God. God needs you to be baptized with his fire. God needs you to be baptized with his fire. I'll just tell you right now, I'm about to pray for you in a minute, and I don't know what you're doing, but if you have the ability, get by yourself. You know, I was planning on finishing this 20 years ago, but or 20 minutes ago, 20 years ago, 20 minutes ago, but the Lord said, no, I want you to talk about the fire of God for a moment. I'm going to pray for that fire to come on you. I'm going to pray that that fire comes on you, and I'm going to, and I want you to be ready to receive. So if you if you're driving, you have the ability to pull over and just sit on the side of the road. Okay, fine. I'm going to pray in just like two minutes. So I'll give you a chance to do that to find a place where just receive it. But that that fire of God is what we need, and and Jesus says. He gives us the principle and the precedent. If you'll ask me for it, I'll give it to you. I'm not withholding any good thing for those who walk uprightly. I see that it's right for me to walk in the fire of God. So I'm asking for a righteous thing. I'm asking for a right thing, Lord. And that means if I'm asking you for it, you will not deny me. And you won't let it be counterfeit. It'll be you, the consuming fire of God. I love this image you know, that... If we were the wick, if we're the wick in a lamp, before a wick could be used, if it was had dirt and grunge and, and all sin and mess in its life, it has to be washed by the water to get to where it can receive the oil again. It has to be washed. It has to be born again as long as it's dirty and filled with dirt. It's never going to be a good flame but the water of the life-giving water of Christ will wash us out and make us able, turn, turn us white as snow, make us able to receive the fuel of God again. And then if we would be baptized in the oil of the Holy Ghost, the oil will run out, but the oil will run out and the oil can drain down and it needs to be filled on a regular basis. And we're filled and baptized in that. But then there's that moment when you baptize that clean and oil-filled wick with a dose of the fire of God, that all-consuming fire that purifies us, that, that makes us a light to other people, that makes us have the ability to light other lamps. We can take that fire and light other lamps and, and that 
we stay filled with the oil of the Holy Ghost and we stay on fire with God and we never let that fire burn out. It, it changes us. And even if the oil runs out, that flame, we're still changed. You just fill up the oil and we're ready to be lit again. We just, just stay filled up, stay in that place. What we talked about today, stay in thankfulness, stay in hunger, stay in our responsibility. And we, we have no choice but to go up. We need to be baptized with the water of God, the oil of the Holy Ghost, and the all-consuming fire of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. We need the manifestation of those baptisms in our lives at all points. That's for every believer, not for just apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, not for just fivefold ministry. It's for every believer. Just ask right now, Jesus, I ask you, baptize me in the Holy Ghost and fire in Jesus' name. Right now, Father, so hotari ofra konomosbe, benu konomosbra yafatos kuraha niosto. Lord, light up your people with the fire of God. Let them be marked forever and changed forever so that nothing satisfies. Lord, let that fire of God come on them. Let it touch them and let it overflow. Lord, let it purge out everything that's not of you. Let it purge out everything that's not of you. Let it purify them, Lord, in your consuming fire. Lord, consume all of the chaff of our lives. Consume all of the chaff. Ask the Lord right now to do that. Lord, I ask you, consume the chaff, the sin. Lord, purge me. Purify me, Lord. Let your consuming fire burn it out of me now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your fire. In the name of Jesus, right now, Lord, let your fire touch lives. Lord, let your fire touch them now. Yeah, I just sense that anointing flowing in you now. I want, to, I want to give you something. This is something that I've found. When you ask the Lord to give this to you, he's going to take you to a place where you can receive it. If you can imagine yourself being, if you can imagine yourself, because a lot of people, they'll receive a prayer like that, and they'll say, yeah, it was that day that I received the fire of God. Probably not. It was that day that you began the process of becoming on fire. But then you have a moment. There comes a moment where you have allowed the Lord to purge you, allowed the Lord to take you to some places, and all of a sudden, the fire of God. And life is not the same after that. Life is not the same. And you know, and you know that moment. That, that's a moment. It's a moment, you know. It's kind of like I fell in love with Nicole, but I, I really didn't have everything I needed until we had the wedding. When we had the wedding, that was the moment where I really could fulfill that love, and we were in covenant together. Before then, I had feelings. Now we had covenant. There was a moment. There was an exchange in that moment. This is the way it is with the baptism of fire is there's a moment you lead up. Like today, you may have felt the fire of God. That just means it came close to you. But you're believing God. Set, Lord, set me on a path to be filled, and this is what I want to tell you. Don't stop 
until the baptism of God's fire comes on you. And when it comes on you, you'll know it. There won't be any question. You'll know it. And don't stop till you know. Father, right now, let every person be filled with your fire. Let them not just feel the fire of God and come close to the fire of God, but Lord, let them come close and catch. Let them come close and catch on fire that they might be changed forever. Lord, let, let them not just have a close encounter with the fire. Let them catch in Jesus' name. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just thank him with me right now. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We just receive from you and we praise. If you receive that, just put it in the comments. Say, Lord, we receive from you today. We receive your fire. We receive our responsibilities for thankfulness, hunger, and, our, and your commandments. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. He's changing lives today. See, in order to receive that fire, one of the first things that happens is you have to change your thinking. You can't see things the same. You've got to see what you're doing and where you're going. Lord, I need your fire. I need it. I need your fire. I need your consuming fire in my life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. See, a, a fire of God is a purging of how we used to think. See, some people look and they'll say, you know, how come you can go for hours and not eat? Or how come, you know, how come you don't, you, you can go way into the night ministering to somebody? It's the fire of God that pushes that. It's the fire of God. Because I don't care about that. There, something with the fire of God is it purges you. It, break, it really finishes that crucifixion of the flesh when you're walking in that fire. It finishes that. It allows you to not care about that stuff. We need the fire of God. We need the fire of God. I leave you at that. I'm gonna let Buddy. Uh, you know, if you would like to give uh, and give an offering, you know, today, I'm gonna let Buddy handle that. But just continue. Don't be satisfied until the consuming fire of God is raging in a full baptism on you. Amen. I love you. Today, um, if you would like to sow into this broadcast, we want to give you the opportunity because this word is powerful, and we want to encourage you to not just sow into the broadcast, but sow into the word that you received today. And as you sow into that word, it, it makes gr the grace of this ministry available to you. So we want to give you that opportunity. And if you want to sow today, you can go to givew.org. Uh, we also have a uh, PayPal available. You can text to give. Uh, if you have cryptocurrency, you can give that way. We also have uh, Cash App in Venmo. Um, you can give there as well. Uh, but right now, I'm just going to pray over every seed that is sown today. And we're just going to believe together that God is doing mighty things in your life. Amen. Well, Father, right now, we just thank you 
for the abundance of grace that you are being made available to the people uh, who have partnered with this ministry. Father, I thank you, Lord, that as we partner with this word, that grace, your grace, is made available to us. And so, Father, right now, we just thank you. Every seed sown today will return back to them, pressed down, shaken together. We'll be pouring over back into their laps. And God, we thank you for the blessing. We thank you, Father, not just for the the return, but we thank you for the fire of God that is being manifested in the lives of of your people today. We thank you for, for it, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we just apply that thankfulness now. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to sow into your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the privilege uh, of, of being your children and having access to all that you have. And God, right now, I just pray again, Lord, for that fire to be manifested in Jesus' name. We believe we have received it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, thank you for joining us today. We also want to let you guys know, if you want uh, more opportunity to just be poured out, uh, to let that fire of God just to, to be in the anointing, to be in the fire of God, we want to invite you next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend is our Holy Ghost weekend, uh, our Holy Spirit weekend here at Boomerang Church. Uh, on Friday night, we have a prayer night uh, starting at 6.30. Saturday, we have Soul Winning Saturday followed by Holy Spirit Sunday, where we have our uh, Sunday morning service at 10 and our special Holy, Holy Spirit service at 4 o'clock. We want to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, the Holy Spirit's getting ready to pour out, and we want you to be there for it. But guys, we love you. Thank you for joining us today. We also want to let you know that there are hundreds of other teachings and videos that you can watch here on our YouTube channel, and we want to invite you to just stick around and watch one of those videos. Um, but guys, thank you for joining us. We will see you tomorrow at 11.30 for Lunch Plus. We love y'all. We'll see you later.